0: Welcome into the Print Fest DFS podcast. This is week seven. We're going to be breaking down the DraftKings main slate. I'm your host Justin Rue, alongside Scott Bainey. And man, this is this is really going to be a wild slate. There's a lot of injury news we're going to be going over um, as we go through position by position. And I mean, between Aaron Jones and Michael Thomas being out and Emmanuel Sanders, there's there's just a lot. There's a lot out there. Um, we'll be getting to everything. Scott, how's it going? Pretty
1: good, man. I mean, I'm definitely a lot more excited for this slate than I was last week. There's a lot more guys in play, in my opinion. It has been a crazy week so far with uh, so much unknown with guys getting injured, you know, Aaron Jones. And we just got the Hooper news yesterday. Yeah. Um, maybe signing with the Bucks doesn't really affect the slate money. Just so much news to go through this week. Um, I'm really excited. I think I think there's a lot of different ways you can go. Um, I think running back's pretty cut and dry. I think receiver might be a little more uh, up to someone's uh, opinion, but yeah, man, anyway, I'm excited.
0: Yeah. All right, so we're gonna get right into it. If you want to start us off, with your your top quarterback play.
1: <laughs> sure. So I'll just jump in here with uh, Joey Burrow, 5500 on DraftKings. Um, the fact of the matter is he's just cheap, right? Um, and in a week where I think a lot of people are going to be spending on high-priced running backs, unless you want to go down to the Geo uh, or Kenyan Drake, like we're going to talk about later, uh, I think he's perfectly fine. It's not the best matchup in the world, but it's absolutely fine. Um, the Bengals are currently throwing at the second-highest rate in the league, so that's always set up well for Burrow. Um, his George for tip isn't very good on the year. It's at 6.6, um, so we definitely want to see that improve. But to the last three weeks, we have seen it uh, jump to over eight. So if we can see that for a third week, that would be really nice. Um, he's also got some pretty massive touchdown regression coming his way, right? Yep. Uh, so he's second in the league in pass attempts, but I believe he only has like a 2.4% touchdown rate, which is just – I mean, that's unsustainably bad, right, for, for as much as he's throwing. Yeah. Uh, combine that with Nojo Mixon this week, who they've really been relying on pretty heavily lately. I don't know how much faith they have in Geo. I wouldn't have much faith in him. Um, so I would just project him to throw a, a tad bit more than they probably would anyway. Um, like I said, he – I mean – He's fifty five hundred. I mean, he. I think he's just a little bit mispriced. He he should probably be in the six k range if I were to say. Um, so yes, f- for I mean, point per dollar. I think I think he's a great play quarterback. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think he should be good leverage off of uh, a lot of people playing Geo. Uh, we can probably expect to see Geo probably twenty five, maybe thirty uh, percent in in double ups. So I think he's really solid leverage. Uh, I, I think my favorite play at quarterback uh, is going to be Kyler Murray. And there, there's a lot of reasons to love Kyler. This game environment uh, against Seattle is pristine. Uh, their implied total is right around 26 and a half. It's, it's fine. It's not great, but it's, it's fine. I mean, the, the total, the over under in that game, I believe is like 56. So he's at home. He should be having to keep his, his foot on the gas the entire game with, with Russell Wilson slinging the ball every play against him. So it should be a nice back and forth contest. He's going to run. I mean, in the last four games, he's ran for 53 yards per game. Uh, you know, and he's taken on the Seattle defense who allows 7.9 yards per attempt, 28 points per game to opposing quarterbacks, or 29th DBOA. They're not getting a lot of pressure. 7,100, I think that uh I think you just play Kyler in cash, and I think you just move on. Yeah, I think it
1: quarterbacks pretty cut and dry this week. I think you're either- Paying up for Kyler, or you're paying down for Burrow. Uh, if you pay down for Burrow, it does make it easier to pay up a tight end. If you pay up for Kyler, you can pay down tight. I mean, tight ends should show anyway. We'll talk about that later. But uh, I think it's also worth noting that that uh, Jamal Adams was ruled out again. Um, I think that was to be expected, but it's at least noteworthy. Yeah, I mean, Kyler's just absolutely pounding on on the ground this year. And whenever they're getting close to the goal line, it's Kyler. Yeah. Uh, they're just calling his number. Um, would like to see his passing efficiency go up a little bit. I mean, he was pretty abysmal last week versus Dallas, but we saw we there. that was about as bad of a passing game as he could have had, right, if he still yeah. got there because he runs. I mean, he is just so safe. And, and this matchup, you know, the Sunday night hammer spot, he just has – he has 40-point upside if all, if all things go well. So I absolutely love him. Um, that's probably who I'll be rolling out in the edge, So – yeah,
0: I could not agree more. I, I have one more note on Kyler here. So Seattle, uh, they've allowed passes of fifteen plus yards. They've allowed a fifty-eight uh, percent completion percentage on those passes. And Kyler, so far this year, has only completed thirty percent of his passes of fifteen plus yards. So that might help his efficiency uh, downfield. And if he if he can connect on a couple of these deep strikes to Christian Kirk or Isabella, I mean, this could just be fireworks. So. And
1: yeah. I mean, I love- um, so I'll give you my my last quarterback play, and it's really more so just to pivot off of Kyler Murray for the price point, and that's showing Watson at 6,800. Um, so far this year, Green Bay has been pretty good against quarterbacks. They're only giving up 17.6 points per game. So not the best matchup, but I do really like the projected game script for Watson, right? So we talked about last week why we liked Watson so much. In um, these games where, you know, they're down. That's where Watson makes his money, right? He, he seems to, to smash every single time he's putting it into a, uh, a negative game script. Yeah. Um, now, with Green Bay coming in, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to prove that last week was just you know a, a fluke. And Houston hasn't been able to really stop anyone, and I don't think there is any reason to believe that they're going to stop the Green Bay Packers this week. Um, so again, I love Watson. Um, the last four games, I believe, his yards per attempt has been nine point four or higher. That is absolutely elite. Yeah, he's been. Um, and I mean, since since Bill O'Brien left, I mean, I think Watson's just kind of saying, "All right, yeah. screw you, dude. Let me let me show you what I've got." Um,
0: yeah. Well, he's been running the ball more too. The last couple of games, he's been averaging like twenty five rushing yards per game in the last two since since Bill O'Brien got fired. So. Maybe Bill O'Brien was just like, no, I don't want you running. I don't want you getting hurt. And now he's just like, I'm just going to I'm just gonna run. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, um, I definitely like Kyler better for the price point. But Watson, we, we know he is just as much upside. Yeah. Probably doesn't have as high of a floor, but I think he's a fine pivot off the Kyler chalk if that's where you want to go.
0: Yep. Yeah, so pretty easy. I think quarterback should be pretty straightforward. You know, there'll be people paying up for Josh Allen. I mean, I don't think the Jets have anything that they can bring back from the other side there. People will definitely pay up for Aaron Rodgers, and that's fine, too, but he hasn't really run too much. Um, you know, in cash games, you really want to stick to these quarterbacks, who can run. So Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, and Deshaun Watson are our favorite plays uh, of the week. So running back, I think, is pretty straightforward. Uh, Alvin Kamara is the best running back play. I think he's the lock of the week with, with, uh, with Michael Thomas out, Emmanuel Sanders out. I mean, even, I mean, in the last four games, he's had a 27% target share. That's ridiculous for running backs. Honestly, I, th- I think we could almost project him for probably like 25% in this game, maybe with upside for more, which means we're probably going to be seeing maybe 16, 18 carries and probably probably seven to 10 targets with upside for more. Um, if this game starts to go back and forth, I mean, the last four games he's averaged 31 points per game. He's at home. They have a 29 implied total of seven point favorites. He's averaged 20 touches in his last four, 145 yards from scrimmage. And he gets the stuff on the goal line. He's getting 2.4 uh, opportunities inside the 10 per game. And of course he's taking on this Carolina defense who gives up 4.9 yards per carry. 33 points per game to opposing running backs, or 26 DBOA. I mean, it, it, it's the spot. I mean, you have to play Alvin Kamara. 7,900, lock just Lockman.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's just a stone-pulled lock. I mean, I can't foresee myself fading him for any reason whatsoever. It, it's interesting that DraftKings still has yet to price up these high-dollar running backs. Even Vandals yeah. priced up Zeke Kamara, Derrick Henry around Vandal. Um but yeah, speaking of the Carolina defense, I think it's even a better spot for Kamara's receiving game yeah. uh, because we talked about last week how Carolina is just setting up in the zone and making sure they're not getting beat. Um, so that kind of sets up well for what Drew Brees wants to do and what Kamara does well. I mean, just yeah. dump off short, yeah. rouse the Kamara, get him in space, and let him do his thing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just an absolute. I, Camara's is going to go nuclear. Uh, there's no doubt about it in my mind. So, yeah. he, I agree, he's the lock of the week. Um, so my Camara is my favorite play. My second favorite play on the slate is Aaron Jones, 7,200. Now we did have some news that he did not practice on Friday, um, so that's definitely something to note. Um, but I talked about last week how horrid Houston is against the run. Right, they're 27th DVOA against the run. Um, It's a fairly easy pivot to Jamal Williams at 4K if Aaron Jones does sit. I'm a little bit worried about this injury. I don't really – but, I mean, the spot is just the spot of spots. I mean, Houston's getting trucked. They've given up 969 rushing yards so far this year. Yeah. That's 150 yards more than any other team. (laughs) <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. They've also given up the most rushing touchdowns to running backs. Uh, I'll repeat these game logs again. C.H. went 25 for 138 and one against them in his first game. That's 5.5 yards per carry. Uh, the Ravens had 230 total rushing yards. They averaged something between 6 and 7 yards per carry. James Conner, the corpse of James Conner went 18 for 109 and one, 6.1 yards per carry. Dalvin Cook, 27 for 130 and 2, 4.8 yards per carry. And then we saw King Henry did last week, absolute (laughs) explosion, 22 for 212 and 2, 9.6 yards per carry. And now we get the most efficient running back in the NFL, and Aaron Jones coming in. Um, It is just an absolute great spot. He hit a 66.1% snap rate, which I think was the second highest of the season last week. And with Devontae Adams back, we only saw four carries and one target for Jamal Williams. But uh, Aaron Jonas has still seen four or more targets in every game, so that gives him a nice floor as well this year that we hadn't seen years past. Um, So I think you can project Aaron Jones for, you know, maybe 18 carries and four targets. And we always know the, the massive red zone equity he has um so all in all he sets up for a great play and I would it's an easy pivot down to Jamal Williams at 4k that opens up tight end for you that I'll talk about in a little bit um so yeah what are your your thoughts on Aaron
0: yeah yeah I love Aaron Jones if he was if he wasn't on the injury report he would be probably a lock for me uh yeah my only trepidation is that he had that calf strain uh he said that he felt something uh like on thursday and then he came in on friday and had it looked at and then they they held him out of practice so you know green bay has notoriously held out their their starters you know with with, uh adams a couple weeks ago he said he wanted to play and they just didn't let him play so i mean if i'll I'll say this if aaron jones is out uh, i think jamal williams is a much better play than giovanni bernard at 4k Um, The matchup is so much better. The game environment is so much better. The implied total, everything about Jamal Williams spot would be so much better if Aaron Jones is out. Uh, If Aaron Jones does play, I mean, I think, in my opinion, I think we have to ding him just a little bit, just because it's possible it could hold his snaps back a little bit um, with this injury, but the spot is the absolute best. If he's fully healthy and we know he's fully healthy, then yeah, I mean he's awesome, but the fact that he popped up on the injury report, I don't like playing guys that pop up late on the injury report after being healthy all week, and then something pops up on a Thursday or Friday. That's it kind of moves me away from from Aaron Jones.
1: Yeah, and I mean I think it's probably more likely than not that he sits in this game. Usually, if a guy doesn't practice Friday, that that's pretty yeah. indicative that he's especially missing.
0: when it's late in the week like that. So I, I'm I'm expecting Aaron Jones not to play.
1: Yeah, and I think – I mean, everything I just said sets up the same for Jamal Williams, obviously not as a player, but at 4K. At 4K,
0: you know, he slides right into that role playing probably 60, maybe even 70% of snaps. All they have is A.J. Dillon behind him. Tyler Irvin is also out. So, you know, that sets up – I mean, the only thing Jamal Jamal Williams wouldn't get is probably goal line because, uh, you know, A.J. Dillon's much bigger, but he'll get all the receiving work. It's a fantastic matchup like you laid out before, so – if, if Aaron Jones plays, he's a solid play. If he doesn't, uh, you know, Jamal Williams is, is right up there with, with Kamara as one of the top plays on the slate. So my next favorite play is going to be Kareem Hunt. I mean, this – so Kareem Hunt has been a little bit underwhelming in the last couple of weeks without Nick Chubb. I think we all expected him to be a little bit better. But, I mean, really, in the last two weeks, look at who he's played. I mean, he took on uh, – he took on Pittsburgh and Indy who are both, they both rank second and fifth in yards per carry allowed. Now he takes on Cincinnati who ranks 29th and they go up 5.2 yards per carry. Um, I mean, back in week two, when Nick Chubb was there, I mean, Cream Hunt had 12 touches for 101 yards and two touchdowns mm-hmm. for Cincinnati. So, I mean, Cincinnati, they allow explosive runs on 15% of plays uh, that's fifth most in the NFL. And in the last two games without, um, without Nick Chubb there, uh Kremont, he's had 61% of snaps. And that's even including the fourth quarter where he was held out. Um and I believe it was a game against uh I think I believe it was against Indy. He he was not in the fourth quarter because he had like uh cramps or something like that. But he's still been averaging 19 touches a game. Um, you know, 12% target share. And 1.8 opportunities inside the 10 per game. It's it's fine. It's not great. Uh, but it's perfectly fine. He should be getting all the goal line work. They have a 27 implied total. It should be a faster-paced game. I mean, it's a really good spot for Kareem Hunt at 6,800.
1: I mean, again, this is one of the most efficient runners in the NFL, right? Um, We saw that in his limited workload when Nick Chubb was healthy. Um, He already crushed Cincinnati once this year. Cincinnati seemingly, seemingly gets crushed by everyone, right? And... I think Baker's health is definitely a question mark. he I don't think that he would have been playing if they had been playing anyone except for Pittsburgh. Right. That's a huge division game, a game they really needed to win to stay in, in the hunt. So Baker's rib injury, I think, is is probably worse than a lot of people are willing to admit in Cleveland. So, and we know Stefanski wants to emphasize the run game in general. So, I think this might be a spot where we see even more Kareem Hunt. Um, so, I think it's, it's a great spot, like you, like you mentioned. Um, he, uh, he's too cheap, that as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are my three favorite running backs in the week. The, the, one, the three we just mentioned. And then I actually think there's really only four in play at least in my player pool. And the fourth is going to be Chris Carson at 6,400. Um, not as strong of a play as, as Hunt, Aaron Jones, and Kamara, but it is a little bit cheaper than Hunt, right? Uh, again, it's the Sunday Night Hammer spot. We haven't had one of those in years. In a while. At least in the main slate. Yeah. Um, so I really like this the game script in the game. It's projected shootout, and we have seen that Chris Carson is beating a lot more used in the passing game than I think anyone really projected coming into the year. He's seen three or more receptions in every single game. That gives him a pretty nice floor, right? And uh, he has the fourth highest percentage of team touches, of red zone touches out of the backfield uh, in the NFL. So that's also good as well in a game. where We're expecting the he to put up a lot of points. Um, Arizona is 21st against running backs, so, so it's not a bad matchup. Uh, it, it's fine. Um, they're decent versus running back receptions out of the backfield, but they have allowed the second most receiving touchdowns of running backs. And we have seen that Russ has already thrown two touchdowns, I believe, to Carson in the red zone this year. Um, so, I mean, we know Russ likes to spread the ball out, but Carson seems to be a pretty pretty ideal target for him, at least so far this year. He hasn't seen the, the attempts that we've wanted to see uh, so far. But I kind of think that might just be fluky. Um, in this game, that might be a little bit of a concern as well because I'm I, at least I would project Seattle to be up in the game. But it is going to be a shootout. So if Kyler gets out, you know, gets a quick tour, then I mean, they're going to be throwing, right? And so that might limit the floor for Carson. Um, so yeah, it's obviously not as good of a spot. A lot of things could go wrong here. I mean, if he ends up with eight attempts again and two catches, that that's probably not going to get there unless he gets into the box twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's fine. Uh, he's a good pivot off that cream hunt price point, and if it, it gives you a little bit of a, a little bit of a sweat going into the sunny night game, especially if you're playing Kyle as well, so that's always exciting.
0: Yeah, I mean they have a 29 implied total, almost 30. And they're in the three and a half point favorites. So I can't really see him getting game scripted out because he's so involved in the past game with the 14% target share of his last four. I mean, he's still getting 17 touches a game. So, I mean, he, he's involved and he's 6,400. So uh, I think he's a fine pivot uh, in tournaments. He probably should, he, he won't be nearly as owned as Cream Hunt. So he, he's a good pivot in tournaments off of uh, Cream Hunt's very high ownership. I think we should also mention Giovanni Bernard, Uh, before we move on to wide receiver so Joe Mixon's out and so we we've all done this historically we've done it multiple times so it's been four games in Giovanni Bernard's career where Joe Mixon's been out and Gio has started in his place Uh, in those four games Giovanni Bernard has been a top 20 scorer in all four he's averaged 88 yards from scrimmage per game with 17 touches in all of those games so I mean it's not a great spot for him I mean since Cincinnati, or uh, Cleveland, rather, they're 10th in yards per carry allowed, uh, giving up 3.9 yards per carry. So it's not really great. I mean, Joe Mixon had uh, 16 carries for 46 yards in week two against Cleveland. So, I mean, Gio's not really going to give you much on the ground. And really, the last time that he filled in for Joe Mixon was in 2018. So how much does Gio have left? I mean, he's like 29 years old. He's looked terrible. I mean, I think Gio is fine if you really need to save the salary. But like we mentioned before, if Aaron Jones is out, I mean, Jamal Williams is a much better play than Giovanni Bernard, at least in my book. Their they're, the plot total is 23 and a half. I mean, they're dogs. They're probably going to be throwing a lot, which might help Gio. But he's not going to give you much on the ground at all. And we're not even guaranteed for him to get goal line. He's not a huge running back. They have Travion Williams behind him. Um, you know, I, I think Gio is fine, but he's not. I don't think he's as strong a play as the field is going to give him. I mean, I think he's going to be, like we said, around 30% own, which I think is a bit high.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to go there. I I just – if it feels bad going in, I don't want to play a guy that I'm going to be concerned about, right? Yeah. There's a very easy way that he ends up with, like, four points, and I really don't want to go there. I mean, he's cheap, so I get it. He, he's fine. He's, Jamal Williams is a far superior play if he gets the start.
0: It's just, it's just not a great spot for Geo, but, you know, I if Salary works out that way where, where he fits in perfectly as a like last guy in, then, yeah, I'm not going to prioritize him, though.
1: Yeah, and I think I mentioned earlier that I would expect Sensi to throw even more in this game without mixing. They're already throwing at the second-highest rate in the league. And without mixing, I think you're going to project – for at least the same amount of attempts that we're seeing week in week out in Borough, maybe even a little bit of an uptake. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows how much Gio even has left. He's, he's bad. I mean, I'm pretty confident on that. I think he's just bad. And it could just be a full blown committee. Who, who's to say that Gio is just going to step into the mixing role too. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, it's fine if, if you need the salary relief. If we don't get, if we get Aaron Jones active, and, yeah, I guess he is the best play down at that price point. But um, I just – I don't really want to do that. I, I don't yeah. feel good about
0: it at all. Yeah. So, we can move on to wide receiver. Who is your favorite wide receiver play? This one's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah.
1: So, far and away, my favorite receiver play on the week is Terry McLaren. Yeah. The Washington football team, 5,800. I said this last week. If the Dallas Cowboys have a game on a Sunday, you play, then I'm rolling receiver against them. And they just seemingly always smash every single week. Uh, so just a little bit of data on Dallas. They're 27th in fantasy points allowed to, to wide receivers at 44.1 fantasy points per game. So obviously that's very well. They've given up the second most touchdowns to wide receivers at 11. Sixth most yards to receivers, 1,088, and their 21st DVO, DVOA against the pass and 28th total. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sets up well for a guy who, is just the alpha and more for their offense, right? It is all, all Terry McLaurin. I mean, this guy's numbers are ridiculous. He has a 27.5% target share this year, and he's top 10 in the league in air yards. That obviously is just elite. He has 45% of his team's air yards. That is absolutely ludicrous, 45% of the team's air yards. <laughs> we talked about this last week when you you were touting Terry McLaurin. I mean, there's no one else there. Steven Sims is on IR. Logan Thomas stinks. <laughs> I mean, this other Sims guy called a touchdown last week. I don't even know who that is. Isaiah Wright, eh, whatever. I mean, it is – Isaiah big. Wright's out, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all Terry McLaurin. It's just it, – it, I mean, I, if he gets 15 targets in this game, no one's going to say, oh, my gosh, that's yeah. crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's more likely he gets 15 targets than he gets less than eight.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean – it's the fastest paced game on the slate. Both these offenses like to play fast. Dallas might slow it down a little bit. They did slow it down uh, a little with Andy Dalton, but if Washington can get out to a, to a lead early, which I don't know, it could happen. Maybe if, if McLaurin can catch a deep one early, um, maybe this game can turn into a shootout. I'm not really expecting that. It's really just the, the price for the volume. I mean, he's getting 10.3 targets per game over his last four. He has the highest weighted opportunity rating Uh, which is a combination of uh, share of team air yards and target share. It's the 0.81 is the highest number on the slate, and he's 5,800. Yeah, I mean, he only has – he's only averaging uh, 0.3 end zone targets per game, so he doesn't have much touchdown upside. I mean, yeah, they have a 23 implied total, but he's 5,800 against Dallas. It's just – the volume he's going to get is just too high for his price.
1: I mean, like you said to me, he's fifth in the league in targets. He has a 10.48. That's great. And, you know, this is my thing. I'm going to name off number one receivers, and, and I'm going to tell you how they crushed Dallas in the past. Robert Woods, 6 for 105. Calvin Ridley, 7 for 109 and 2. A.K. Metcalf, 4 for 110 and 1, and he should have had a lot more if he didn't drop that touchdown. Odell yeah. Beckham, 5 for 81 and 2. He was the windmill play a couple of weeks ago, right? Darius Slayton, 8 for 129, and then D-Hop, 2 for 73 last week. But, I mean, Dallas is absolutely getting tormented by Arizona. They didn't even have to throw. Yeah. I was stunk, but, um, I mean, everything's just just nasty blow-up spot for Terry McLaurin. And at 5,800, I mean, this price is just straight-up wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's just, respect- just straight-up wrong. I mean, this is just – if you're fading Terry McLaurin, send me head-to-head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at bandy on DraftKings, just send me head-to-head.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to bring up Keenan Allen. I mean, the volume he's getting is is ridiculous. He's 6,200 against Jacksonville. They're at home, 20 implied total. He's averaging 19 points per game over his last four. Uh, He's averaging 11 targets, a .7-way opportunity, which is right up there, uh, you know, with with Devontae Adams or those kind of guys. Um, He's averaging 2.4 yards per route run over his last four. It's really a solid number. Uh, He's getting one zone target per game. That is awesome. I mean – and now he's taking on a Jacksonville defense who is the worst thirty-second DB away. Uh, they allow a catch rate sixty-nine point four percent. It's way above average, and they give up eight point six yards per attempt. I mean, really, what it comes down to is just the overall volume. Do we do we think that Jacksonville can push back against uh, this tough defense that the Chargers have to keep them throwing to keep volume flowing to Keenan Allen because he's if if they throw. 35 times, he's going to smash at 6,200. If they throw 28 times, well, now we run into a, a targeted situation where he could be only targeted maybe seven to nine times, which would be you know, not ideal with hitting uh, value at 6.2K. So his efficiency is going to be awesome. Herbert's efficiency is going to be awesome. The, the Chargers are going to beat up on Jacksonville. I just – I struggle. I mean, there's only – Jacksonville is only averaging – uh, 32 attempts against them per game. So, and uh, and the Chargers like to lean, run heavy. I mean, I, I believe, uh, I think they're like second in the NFL uh, on early downs in the first half, like they want to run the ball. Um, so he'll be efficient. It just depends if Jacksonville can bring anything back on the other side.
1: Yeah, I was actually looking into Jacksonville yesterday. Um, So, the raw numbers for Gardner Minshew are pretty good. They're pretty, they suggest that he's good for fantasy. And if you just look at his game logs, you think, oh, this guy's pretty good. But Jacksonville is really struggling to put up points in games, right? I think they've scored less than 20 points at 4th Street. And it is a game where we, I mean, it's great for Keenan Allen. And he'll likely do damage one way or another, but it would be, definitely be good if Jacksonville could put up some kind of a fight in this game. Um, so, but I mean, the one good thing that I would like to mention is that Keenan Allen does do. I mean, Keenan Allen is moving around a lot this year. He's playing forty-five percent of the snaps from the slot. CJ Henderson is only playing five percent of his snaps in the slot, so he's gonna he's gonna fade that for a lot of the game, right? So that sets up even even better for him. I mean the all concerns that everyone had for Keenan out on season long because of Tyrod have been mitigated by Herbert. Yeah. And I'm shocked at Herbert's success early on. I mean, I was on a Herbert guy coming into the draft. I thought he had a lot of mechanical issues, decision-making issues. But I mean, he's proven the haters wrong right now, man. He's just going out there and balling and he's slinging the rock, and it has been great for everyone in that offense. Um see, so, yeah, I mean, it's a great spot. It's a good price point, sixty-two hundred. Um, I think he sets up well regardless of the game script just because of, uh, of his target share. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I just struggle with it because if, if Gardner's not going to put up a fight and they're not going to put up points, I'm just afraid. It, it, I could see the Chargers getting out to like a 3 4 lead and just, just sitting on it.
0: Yep,
1: for sure. Um, moving on to another guy I really like this week is T. Higgins from Cincinnati at uh, 5,300. Uh, in my opinion, he's just a straight-up alpha. He's the X in this offense. Um, AJ Green is just total dust. Uh, we did see a little bit of a resurgence from AJ Green last year, but I mean, I think that might just be flash in the pan more than anything else. Uh, T Higgins is running a uh, uh, He's out there on 83.1% of the snaps, so that's great to see. Uh, over the last four, he's averaged eight, yard, eight targets a game. He's had 90 or more air yards in each of his last four as well, so that's also great to see. We saw a blow-up spot last week where he had eight receptions. Uh, He's actually 17th in the league in air yards, which is actually behind A.J. Green. But A.J. Green, we've seen, just can't – he can't do anything. He's volatile, yeah. He's he's slow. He's busted. He can't jump. (laughs) He's out there giving up on plays. He clearly wants to get traded badly. Yeah. Um, And – I think it might just be a, a nice rookie connection between Burrow and Higgins. Burrow obviously loves him and trusts him a lot. Um, and, again, it's, it's not the best matchup on paper with Denzel Ward uh, projected to be on him a good bit. But it's worth noting the Ward plays all, uh, exclusively on the left side of the field. He does not move around. He does yeah. not show, right? Yep. Yeah. And Higgins moves around a lot too. He plays forty-one percent of his snaps on the le- on the left side, so he will be seeing him for, I mean, give or take half his routes, right? Um, but it's likely that defenses just haven't caught on to this AJ Green thing, right? Yeah. Like, do teams think that AJ Green is not dust?
0: Yeah, it might be tilting coverage towards AJ, AJ Green. Um, yeah, I mean T Higgins is is. T. Higgins and Boyd, I, I think, are the the two guys in this offense. It's, A.J. Green is, is not. I mean, yeah, he had 11 targets last week. His targets are going to fluctuate up and down in, in games that he actually cares and games that he doesn't care. So mm-hmm. do we think A.J. Green cares? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, I think
1: the decision between Higgins and Boyd is going to be a big one this week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Higgins and Boyd, actually, it's – They've been both really consistent, actually. They both have had at least a 20% target share in each of the last four games. So they're getting consistent volume. It's not like a Green where it's like, yeah, he has great volume in this game, and then he has, like, three targets the next game. No, they're really consistent, and they're both getting right around eight targets per game. They both have a .58 for Higgins and a .56 weight opportunity rating. Those are both solid numbers. Uh, they're averaging – T. Higgins averaging 84 yards per game over his last four. Tyler Boyd's averaging uh, 87 yards per game. I think the the big difference here is T. Higgins has five end zone targets, so he has 0.8 end zone targets per game to uh, one for Tyler for Tyler Boyd. So Tyler Boyd averages 0.2 end zone targets per game, and T. Higgins averages 0.8. 0.8 is a really solid number of end zone targets per game. So. I think that the touchdown upside lies with T Higgins and he's 100 cheaper. So, and I I think, I really do. I think T Higgins has around the same floor as Tyler Boyd. I mean, we think that Tyler Boyd has a higher floor because he's a slot receiver. Um, But really, in all actuality, they're getting about the same amount of targets per game. And T Higgins has a 14 dot to a 10 for Tyler Boyd. So I think there's a little more upside here in T Higgins because he gets a little deeper targets and he gets end zone targets. So I'll probably be leaning Higgins, but, um, yeah, it could really go either way.
1: I agree. I mean, either one's fine. I like Higgins for the upside, and he's, they seemingly have a, a pretty similar floor as well. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I'm not going to fight anyone who wants to play board. He's, he's absolutely fine.
0: Yeah, so we're going to have to bring up Deontay Johnson. So he's 4,200, and immediately when you see that price, you're like, why is this guy 4,200? This, this is the guy that we, we expected to get up. I mean, he, I could see him getting up to like 6.5, even up to 7K at some point in this year. After his first two games, I mean, he had a 0.71 way opportunity. He was getting 11 and a half targets per game. Um, you know, I mean, he was the alpha in this offense. Juju Smith Schuster is, is not a part of this offense at all. Uh, you know, he's, if you look at his numbers, I mean, his ADOT is like, is ridiculous. Every last four games, Juju's ADOT is 5.2. He's only getting 4.7 targets per game. Like, this is, He's literally like Cole Beasley. I I am done with Juju until he until his usage changes. So he's not a threat. Chase Claypool is a threat. His eight out is 13.4. Um, he's been getting I mean, he's just an absolute monster. And this matchup here with Tennessee is is pristine. They they're 24th TV away. They go up a 69.5% uh, catch rate, and they go up 47 points per game so for wide receiver course, uh 7.6 uh, yards per attempt. So the spot is really nice for, for Deontay. It's just, what, what do we think this rotation is going to be with James Washington there? I mean, I I think, I think the risk is mitigated because he's 4,200. If he was 5.5 K like where he has been, I think that Deontay is a tough play, but at 4,200, I mean, he's priced around guys like Traquan Smith and it's like, dude, I mean, this, this guy's upside is ridiculous. And I think he has a pretty nice floor, even if, even if he has 70% of his role, say he he rotates with with Claypool and Washington on the outside. So he say he only plays like 70% of snaps. That's still fine. He's 4,200. It's not like you need a full-time player. And if he still has his full-time role and Claypool goes back to splitting with James Washington and Deontay plays every snap on the outside like he was in week one and week two, the guy's probably going to get like seven to nine targets and he's 4,200 and he's an elite talent. I mean, I, I think... It's really tough. It's, it's a tough situation. I think the risk is mitigated. Like I said, at 4,200, I, I like Deontay this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a blatant misprice. Um, I think it's more likely that we see Washington and Claypool fighting for that number three spot. I mean, we know how much big Ben loves Deontay, right? Just absolutely peppering him in targets so far this year when he's been healthy. Yeah. Um,
0: and health isn't a factor anymore. He's off the injury report. Yeah, he had a concussion. He has a slight increased uh, chance of getting a concussion, but I mean, his back is no longer a problem. He's off the injury report. He has been, he's, he's practiced fully since Wednesday. He's good to go.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, he's a great player. Been just absolutely peppers him with targets. Um, what I will say is that it, if we play Deontay and he gets hurt in the first quarter, that's just going to be so tilting. And I know it's, I mean, you can't really predict that. You know what I mean? I mean, he's healthy apparently. just throwing that out there though. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think he's absolutely rock solid at the price. I mean, 4,200. I mean, like you said, if he, if he's running, you know, 80, 75% of his role before the injury, that's fine. Before the injury, we were seeing a, you know, mid mid to upper fives price tag. And even then we were saying, Oh, well, he needs to be higher for this the volume that he's seeing. Um, yeah. so I mean, any risk that I mean anyone would be taking on with this play it's just it's mitigated by that forty two hundred dollar price tag. I mean that was one of the first things that stood out when I took a, a first look at the slate this week. Is so, the hell is Deontay Johnson forty two hundred for?
0: Yeah, it's just it's just it seemed it's weird. It's like he's like that just seems wrong. So, yeah, we'll see how that rotation plays out, but I'm perfectly fine taking the leap on on Deontay. He's a talented player. He should not be 4,200 if he has his full role. Even if he doesn't have his full role, he's 4,200. So I also want to mention a couple of uh, these these cheap guys. So uh, John Brown's out, so that, that should thrust Gabe Davis into the starting lineup. He, in week five when John Brown's out, Gabe Davis played 100% of snaps. Against Tennessee. He had nine targets and he went five for 58. He's 3,600. He's a fine punt. Um, Demarcus Robinson uh, last week with Sammy Watkins out, uh, he ran 34 pass routes to Byron Pringle, 17. Nicole Harmon only had 13 pass routes and he also played 96% of snaps. So, and he's also 3,400 against Denver. He's a fine punt. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you really need the salary or if you don't feel confident with, with Deontay, then those two guys are fine punts down there in the 3K range.
1: I mean, they're fine. Uh, Demarcus Robinson's not good at football, but, I mean, he's getting the targets, and he's cheap, right? Um, It's interesting that they're not playing McCole Hardman more um, with the draft capital he had and the skill set that he possesses. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is Robinson's just out playing him and out targeting him on a week-in, week-out basis. so, yeah, and then Gabe Davis, I mean, he was out there for 100% of the snaps. If he's out there for 80% of the snaps at that price tag, he's totally fine.
0: Yep. So, move on to tight end, uh, I think one of my favorite plays at tight end is Hunter Henry. I mean, over the last four games uh, – or actually, no. So, he's had at least seven targets in four out of five games. So, he has a solid floor. He's been pretty consistent. Um, he ranks fifth among tight ends in targets per game at seven. Uh, Jacksonville—they've allowed five tight end touchdowns uh, and 10.6 yards per target, which is 31st in the league. I mean, they have—they—they've been horrible. Um, I like Hunter Henry this week. What do you think about Hunter Henry?
1: I mean, tight tight ends just uh, a giant mess, as it seems to be every year. Um, there's those top price guys: Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, Andrews. And after that, it's really just like a mesh of just guys right um, now Hunter Henry I think it's a missed price as well 4,500 especially for the volume and the talent that we see that he has um, priced around guys like Eric Ebron you know I mean it seems like Hunter Henry should be around 5k range I don't know what going on with the price there but like you said I mean he's as consistent of a tight end as you're going to find in the league right the outside of those those top four guys. Um again, a lot of people were off Henry, including myself going in the draft season because of Tyrod, but Herbert has mitigated those concerns, right? Herbert's still in the rock. Um so he's definitely my favorite price per uh, point per hour play at the tight end position. And I really don't think it's close. I like Dalton Hooper as well, but we've seen he's been ruled out. I mean it's just a wasteland. I mean there's really not a lot to like um and, I mean, Henry sticks out when you're looking at that pricing. So, I think he's he's probably the best tight end play unless you want to pay up.
0: Yeah, it really just comes down to the volume there. I mean, is is Jacksonville going to fight back to force uh, the charges to keep throwing? But, I mean, they have a 28 implied total. Implied total is so important with tight ends because it's such a touchdown-driven position. So, Hunter Henry's he's great.
1: Yeah. So I'll tout uh, Travis Kelsey here. I mean, uh, there's not much to say about Kelsey. I mean, he's leading the league in uh, uh, red zone targets with 10. Um, Denver ranked 16th in fantasy points allowed tight ends. I mean, I don't really care. It's Travis Kelsey. Uh, We see he he is as consistent as it comes in fantasy, much less at a tight end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, He's seen a red zone target in every single game and multiple red zone targets in all but one game. That is ridiculous. Um, I don't really think that's going to change. That's just the Chiefs offense. They score the most points in the league. I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey Coyle have a great connection. Not not a lot needs to play him. I mean, and I think the thing with Kelsey is we can afford him this week, right? There's a lot of value that seems to be breaking through, whether it's Gio Bernard, Jamal Williams, uh, if you want to pay down for Burrow at at, at quarterback, uh, Jonathan Johnson's 4,200. We got Trey Kwan, Demarcus Robinson, Gabe Davis. A lot of these guys you can pay down for, and I think it opens up really to do whatever you want. And so I think this week, uh, more than than past, I think it's it's a lot more ideal to pay up a tight end, right? Yep. Um, and I mean, we always want to, but I mean, like we said. It's hard most weeks when pricing's a lot tighter and there's not as much value. We, we just like to punt tight end because there's so much variance in the position and it's just a wasteland. Um, but I do think you can get a little bit of a one-up on your opponents by paying up for a guy at tight end that you know is going to get their own volume alone and has just a massive red zone equity as well.
0: Yeah, yeah 6,300 is just... It seems a bit cheap. It seems a bit cheap for, for Kelsey. Kelsey, I think, should be right around like 7K every week. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kelsey, it, it, they're – yeah, I mean, they're on the road. It's probably going to be snowing in that game, which doesn't really matter as long as it's not a lot of wind. Snow doesn't really affect anything. They have a 27.5 implied total. He's averaging eight targets per game over his last four. It's really, It's just really solid for a tight end, especially for a position where it's like – I mean, Kittle is going to be taking on New England, so I don't know if you really want to take on Kittle there. Um, and then Hunter Henry. And then, I mean, Waller is there, but he's taking on Tampa Bay, and they don't even have an offensive line. So <laughs> I, there's not a lot to like at tight end. If you really want to punt, which we love punting tight end, there are a couple guys down there. So Harrison Bryant, with, with Austin Hooper out, Harrison Bryant is 2,500. He's a rookie. Um, so last week he ran eight routes uh to Njoku ran seven and that's obviously with Hooper healthy so we can probably bump these guys up there's a lot of targets there to go around there I mean tight ends were getting about 32 percent of the targets uh in in Cleveland so without Hooper there's a lot to go around I don't know I don't know what this split's going to be I mean David Njoku is like he seemed like a bust now I mean he was a first round pick out of Miami he's 24 years old He's 6'4", 246, and he ran four six four. His best comparable player on player profiler is Travis Kelsey, but I don't know if he's going to put it all together. I mean, he's shown flashes in the past. He is 3K, uh, and the matchup is nice with with Cincinnati, but uh, it's tough to know what their split's going to be. It might just be 50-50 where each of them run, like, you know, 15 routes or so. I don't know, but if you're looking to punt – I think both of them, I think they're okay. I mean, at 2,500, really, what do you need with Harrison Bryant? And at 3K, there's really not much more you need with, with Njoku. I think Njoku gives you a little more upside than Harrison Bryant. Um, but I think they're both okay if you really need the punt.
1: Yeah, I, I would lean Njoku here uh, for a couple of reasons. One, he's he is the veteran. Um, not that that really matters, but it gives me just a little bit more confidence. Um, Two, he is a much better athlete than Harrison Bryant. I mean, we, I mean, we've known David and Joe an elite athlete for years now. He's had a lot of injury issues um, that have really prevented him from from taking any kind of step whatsoever. Um, yeah, I mean, the three K or twenty five hundred, if if you really get, I mean, when you're paying that price for a tight end, anything you get is fine, right? I mean, you can pay 5K for a guy. T.J. Hawkinson is over 5K, and he might have two catches for, you know, 15 yards. He's by no means any safer, I, I don't think, than a guy like David Njoku. I mean, tight end a wasteland, dude. It's absolutely ridiculous. So if you want to pay out for Harrison Bryant or David Njoku, it's fine. If you're, if you're going to put the right pieces around them, and they give you three or four points, it's not going to kill you, right? We played Adam Troutman a couple weeks ago, and we printed yeah. <laughs> um, zero.
0: Yeah, it doesn't even matter,
1: yeah. If you play the right guys around these guys, it's fine. Yep. And I think that it's going to be Hunter Henry. That's going to be the chalky, the chalky guy tight end. There's really not much else to like at all. Yep. We liked Albert O heading into the week, but it does look like Fant's going to play. That would have been a sexy play, and then Price. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, really a, a tight end that there's really not anything else I, I would really punt for.
0: Yeah, to me, it's really, it's just Kelsey, it's Hunter Henry. And then if you want to punt with one of these, these Cleveland tight ends, I mean, no offense out there, but I mean, Casey is pretty decent, uh, against the pass. Uh, yeah, Hawkinson out there against, um, against Atlanta. Atlanta's terrible against tight ends, but he's not really getting as much volume as, as we thought he would get. So uh, there's not a lot to like at tight end. I think really just pay up for Kelsey. If you can't, if you want the salary, try to get to Hunter Henry. And if not, if you just can't get the salary, just punt it, just punt it off with Njoku or Harrison Bryant. So getting into our windmill play, who, who is our favorite play of the week? I think I think that a player that you cannot fade and is going to absolutely smash in the Sunday night hammer, he's basically bulletproof. Like whatever, whatever game script, this game is going to go. It's going to be Kyler Murray. If, if Arizona is winning by a lot, it's because of Kyler Murray. If they're losing, he's going to be throwing and running and scrambling and doing all the things that he does. He, he offers probably the highest floor on the slate with his rushing and one of the highest ceilings because again, because of his rushing. Yeah, I mean, his passing efficiency hasn't been great, but like I mentioned earlier, uh, C- or Seattle is really struggling with the deep ball. Uh, and when Kyler, and Kyler has also been struggling um, to complete deep ball attempts. So I think if he can connect on a couple of these deep balls, he's still going to run for about 50 yards. He'll probably get a rushing touchdown because he, he has five already this year. He has one per game. Uh, you know, he is at home and they have a decent total. So I think I think Kyler Murray's 7,100 is, is the windmill play. I think you get the Sunday night hammer. If you're down in your contest and, and you have Kyler Murray like yet to go, don't be afraid because Kyler Murray will take you uh, across the line to cash for sure.
1: Yeah, so. I, mean, I agree. He's an absolute windmill. It is, it is a great spot in projected shootout. You know Russell's going to put up points on his side. Yeah. Um. Man, I just love these Sunday night hammer spots. I'm so glad we're finally getting one. I know. Yeah. Um, I mean, just seeing yourself make money every time <laughs> you see a, a Kyler Murray scramble for 12 yards. I mean, you just yeah. see your winnings. <laughs> <just> <laughs> you go into the
0: Sunday game and you're already above the line of cash and you're just like, all right, this is a total windmill because you're already making money. And then every time he runs like another 10, 15 yards, like, oh well, that's pro- I probably just want another head to head or whatever you don't. So I, I think if you fake Kyler Murray, I think you want to just take me in head to heads. Uh, I am. Uh, Justin Rue 23 on, on DraftKings, J U S T I N R A U 23. It's also my Twitter handle. Uh, so hit us up on there as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's worth mentioning. I know that not so much of a windmill because of ownership, but Terry McLaurin is an absolute windmill. I'm going to take a stand and say that five for 100 is this floor this week. Yeah, he,
0: it's a I really think, odd spot.
1: I think five for 100 is this floor, and I think there's upside for just a ridiculous game. So, yeah, it's not a true windmill because of, of the ownership, but um, <laughs> it's just a, the spot of spots, man. Uh, oh. I just absolutely love it. So if you're fitting Terry McCorn and Kyler Murray, send us head to heads. Again, at CS CSBandy. On- <laughs> <or> F- <laughs> All
0: right. That's going to do it for the Printfest DFS podcast. Week seven. We'll be back on Monday to review our lineups, whether we got our shit kicked in like last week or whether we printed. Uh, we will be... Back here Monday night reviewing our cash lineups. Until then, good luck, everybody.